Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Arabia. For years, they've been known as the super conservative country where women can't drive, gay people get flogged, and thieves have their hands chopped off. Now, for the thieves, uh, they can't say they weren't warned. I mean, Saudi Arabia literally has a sword on their flag, so you know. Yeah, they're owning that shit. It would be like if the NFL made its logo a sad brain, you know? You... <laughs> yeah, in a way, you'd kind of respect them for their honesty. What? I like that joke. That was a good joke. Wow. A sad brain. <laughs> Hey, Apple, can we have that emoji, please? My brain feels like that sometimes, frequently on Sunday mornings. So a quick uh, politics uh, roundup for you. None other than Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez has conceded that it would take quite a night, a lucky and amazing night, for the Democrats to recapture the Senate. There is a growing body of thought which may indeed be horse crap. 
not to be confused with horse face, which is what the president called Stormy Daniels. <laughs> There's a, a growing body of belief that uh, the control of the House is nor- now more of a toss-up than a blue wave. Very hard to say what's happening or what's going to happen. Part of it being that with the economy roaring like it is, it's less likely the party in power gets a kick in the chops, like is traditional in a midterm. On the other hand, it's pretty traditional in a midterm to get a kick in the chops, just because people are kind of tired of your party. It's kind of an odd thing we do in America. It is. Which, but it's remarkably consistent. Which makes me think, um, if you're if you're a Trump supporter, I don't think you want Republicans to keep the House. Because there just seems to be, looking over many, many years, we've got this, we do this buildup of anger against the ruling party. Then we get a release valve Mm -hmm. of, hey, we won, and then we don't turn out as much the next time. And if there's not a release valve of, hey, we won one from the Democrats this time around, I think it's going to build up to a fever pitch by 2020, and it'd be really hard for Trump to win. That's my theory. Interesting point. Because for, for, for Clinton... Bush and Obama, there was that huge, yeah, we stuck it to Clinton, we stuck it to Bush, we stuck it to Obama. Finally, God, that two years sucked. Right. And then two years later, they won. Right. And got to stay president. Often by overwhelming numbers. So I just wonder about that. Looked at a bunch of the polls and spent... I'm kind of ashamed of the time I spent looking at individual races that could go either way. I would tell you that nobody knows. And, and here's my point, the conventional wisdom... Slash trends and voter turnout and ways of campaigning. And there's so little of the conventional wisdom and divisions that still applies. Um, or we don't know how much they apply because everything's changing so rapidly, politically speaking. Another reason if you're a Trump fan, you might want to the Dems to win the House is uh, it's just easier to run against something. And Trump can run against the Democratic House, stopping him from doing all the good things. If you own the whole government... Every problem is put on you. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's tough. Well, and, and appropriately to some extent. So anyway, uh, speaking of the old divisions and what is a Democrat, what is a Republican, these things are, are in flux right now. Yeah, I didn't realize Hannity and Ben Sass hate each other the way they do. So we've been uh, talking up Ben Sass, Nebraska senator, and uh, he's been saying some pretty reasonable things to me. Uh, The ongoing feud between Sean Hannity and Ben Sass is quickly escalating. While the relationship between the two men hasn't been cozy in the era of Trump's, things got very hostile this week after excerpts of Sass's new book, Trashing Hannity, surfaced. I think trashing's overstating it by this publication, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, well, these are the days of hyperbole, Jack. He ripped him a new one, that's what I hear. Hannity accused Sass of not being a conservative. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Sass later challenged Hannity to do a debate. So here goes some of the tweets. I was hoping you were going to say to a duel. Here goes some of the (laughs) tweets back and forth. I invite you to come out from behind the safety of your cable news desk and join me in a neutral forum to debate the role of the media, left and right, in dividing us. Honest conversation isn't where the quick hit dollars and ratings are, but it'd be good for America. Ben Sass. Um, And he also said, if you write a book about the outrage merchants that are dividing America and you fail to mention Sean Hannity because he's in your party, you aren't being very honest. Um, Sean Hannity has responded with at Ben Sass. After your book fails, I will gladly debate you about how the success of the last two years never would have happened with your never-Trumper positions. I'll progress, frankly, in spite of you. And also said, also we can talk about how you sucked up to me during your election 
and why I know you're a con artist and phony. I know you desperately want access to my 600 amazing talk radio stations and to the number one show in all of cable news. Hannity's on 600 stations? Radio stations, yeah. Oy vey. Uh, first of all, you owe the great people of Nebraska an apology. This is in yet another tweet from yesterday. If you had it your way, HRC would be president. Because uh, Sass was a never-Trumper. Mm. So, there you go. <clears throat> what do you think of that? Ben Sass saying, if I write about outrage merchants dividing America and don't mention Sean Hannity because he's in my party, I'm not being honest. That's clearly true. It's absolutely true. His uh, statement that there are not ad dollars to be made uh, being honest and reasonable, uh, or, you know, he said something to that uh, effect, is correct. (laughs) (laughs) To a large extent, which is why we're committing career suicide every day by trying to be reasonable. Now, uh, any attempt to uh, claim that the outrage merchants are only on the right is ridiculous when you look at this from the New York Times today. If you're not scared about fascism in the U.S., you should be. Oh, shut up. Hold on. Wait, it says I should be scared. Hold on. And that's Work it up, Sean. Work up some fear. And then it, Think of lions coming out of the wilderness. Think of uh, things that go bump in the night. It's an opinion piece by someone named Jason Stanley. Someone called Jason Stanley. <laughs> but it's got a picture at the top of the opinion piece about how we should be worried about fascism. I don't know who all these people are, but it's got Trump in the middle in color. Yes. And then in black and white around him, you got Mussolini. Yes. Uh, who was the guy in Yugoslavia? I don't know that guy. Oh, uh, Milosevic? Milosevic. Yeah. That's another bad guy. Hitler, of course. Oh, Hitler? Adolf Hitler of Germany? I don't, I don't know who that guy is. I don't recognize that guy. But yeah. Francisco Franco, perhaps? Uh, like Pol Pot. That. But so there, yeah. Pol Pot is not something you smoke, by the way, Sean. So how? Oh. So how over the top is that, though? If you're not scared about fascism, you should be, and you've got the current president of the United States... Pictured next to Mussolini, Hitler, and others. Wow. I mean, you people are laughable. What is that for a conversation starting place? <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's so crazy. Well, it's, it's a desperate uh, effort to draw eyes and ears. You know what? We've lost the, uh, because it's, I, we've lost the, the description all tarted up. Uh, probably because of slut shaming, which I think you're not supposed to do. The idea that, this guy, he's writing editorials, but, you know, there's lots of editorials these days. Everybody's got a blog. Who is this guy? What point is he making? And so he's kind of, you know, he's unbuttoning a couple more buttons, throwing on a lot of eye makeup and, and the rest of it, but hiking his skirt up and, and tarting up his opinions and starting trying to tell us, oh, yeah, Hitler's going to come for you in America. And if you're not scared, you should be. Oh, settle down. Stop it. This is not healthy. No, God no, it's it. it's pretty crazy. Um, it didn't take well, go through long. your day to day with a notebook. I'll buy you the notebook and the writing utensil of your choice, and write down all the Hitlery stuff that happens to you in America, and see how long your list is at the end of the day. <laughs> see if you see any. I don't know wars against Poland or concentration camps or any of that. Anything. You know, I got one more Nazi note. Goose stepping. I wasn't going to do this, but it seems like it'd be a good place to put it. If I can find it, if I can lay my hands on it really fast. 
It's um, another Nazi reference Wednesday. Uh, just Nazi Germany. So that's that I'd right. like to bring it back up again later. So um, I'm reading the New York Times book review over the weekend. They're interviewing this author, and they and they ask this author, what's the most interesting thing you looked from a, learned from a book recently? And she said, not long ago, I was reading a brilliant collection called The Holocaust and the Book, Destruction and Preservation, which was uh, all about Nazi book burnings, bonfires that were known as Fuhrerspruches, fire incantations in which books considered to be subversive were sentenced to death and burned. Yes. And she says, I had always assumed that it was either soldiers or Nazis that were burning the books. I was shocked to find out it was almost entirely university students Uh, that were burning the books and participating in this. She said, I was shocked and saddened. That's funny. I'm not even mildly surprised. Right, exactly. But it fits in with that whole thing, right? God, you can get college students fired up about anything. Who goes the craziest, the fastest? The so-called smart people. Right. Right, please. The the Red Guard in China, read about it. The so-called educated, they're the people that get out of out of whack the fastest. Right. Read about it and notice Trump's already burned those books. Remember Fa- it's just like Hitler. You remember Facebook wants to put cameras in your house and people immediately said, Oh, you're gonna be using that information and spying on us, and they said, No, we're not. That didn't take long to figure out that yes, they are. What? Didn't take very long at all. Oh man, I want to hear that. That, that. That's what they're doing, among other things. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show. I'm not a fan of Hitler. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. you want to up your Alexa game, get the most out of your Echo? i uh, got a little t- couple tips for you. But first, this last week, uh, Facebook announced that they've got this thing called Portal. They want to put a video camera in your house. And this, this tech reporter writes that Facebook has got a problem in that everywhere he heard this described, Facebook's new Portal, everybody's first response was exactly the same, same as ours. Right. Oh, great. Now they're going to be spying on me and now this and that. Mark Zuckerberg can watch me. First thoughts everybody had was this: that they're going to use it to spy on us and gather information. We had a friend of Armstrong and Getty, loyal listener who works for the Facebook, uh, say they were working so crazy hard to keep it safe and not be corruptible, not be hackable, not for uh, nasty purposes. And private, I believe him. Private by design. Is what it's a, a called, or right. that was the phrase they were using right. a lot. Yeah. And so this 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 writer says, and it's true. Facebook has got a problem when the first response to any new development is everybody's. Their first thought is, "You're going to use this to spy on me." Right. Um, oh, great. <laughs> and, and he writes out on how Facebook said, "No, they're not going to collect any data with it. They're not going to collect any for me any information." Then Facebook has since reached out to change its answer. Portal doesn't specifically have ads, but data about who you call, data about which apps you use, how you use them, will be used to target you with the ads in the future. They are going to collect that data. So they basically said what we said the other day wasn't true. Oh, boy. Um, so that, that's, a, that's surprising to no one. I assume that. If they can do if Google and Facebook can do something, they are doing it. That's just the way they're built. And he also says he doesn't think the people that are involved with Portal know this or knew it. He thinks this sort of stuff is done at a higher level, that they believe their own story. So it's uh, like one of those movies where the scientist is toiling on a project to help mankind. Then it turns out 
the uh, the government he works for is actually going to use it to snuff people. Yeah, One exactly. So I don't know, but that doesn't surprise me Loosely at all. Loosely speaking, I don't think Facebook is trying to snuff people yet. <laughs> Unless they oppose us. Do you have a le- an Alexa or more in your home, or do you call them an Echo? Um, yeah, we got one, but not in all the rooms. So here's some things you can do with the Alexa that you might not be doing already. I didn't know you could make phone calls. I should hook it up to the phone. So there's a, a quick little thing you do, and you got it hooked to your phone, and then you say, hey, uh, call Joe, calling Joe. And then I talk to you through the Alexa while I'm doing things in the kitchen or whatever. And Jeff Bezos listens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to assume that. But right. I didn't know you could make phone calls Let's like talk that. a lot about cat litter. <laughs> All the time until we're just inundated with cat litter. But of course, you have a cat. So. If you uh, set it up for routines, your nighttime routine, or you, so you say, "I'm home, Alexa," and you've got this routine set up with this routine app, and it depends on how uh, interneted your house is. But it could you say, "I'm home," and then it sets the thermostat at a certain thing, turns on your playlist for the music you want to hear at that time, or reads you the news headlines of the moment, or mm. or or starts the oven, or whatever it is you want to do. Begins and shaking my martini. Exactly, exactly. Your Amazon-approved biased headlines, and then you have a different routine set up for "Good night, Alexa," and then it says, "Okay," it, it locks the doors, it turns down the temperature, it turns off the lights, it does a number of other things. The humans are asleep. <laughs> Here is our chance to suck their juices. I don't know why they'd suck your juices for. Oh, they'll put them to use. Um, make announcements. If you have more than one Alexa around the house, like if everybody's got them in the room, you can use it as an intercom system. And you could say, uh, tell everyone it's time for dinner. And then in every room, it'll say dinner time. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> dinner is on the table. I thank you. <laughs> that would be kind like of you're cool. the principal at school or right, something. Exactly. <laughs> These are your morning announcements. We have a birthday today. <laughs> Jimmy is seven. There was a probably about a two-week stretch in my very first radio gig where a good buddy of mine, we would have full-on conversations via, we were in opposite sides of the office building, and we would just have conversations over the, the, the office intercom. <laughs> and it went on for about seven days or so before they finally called us into the office and made us stop. Can't do that. <laughs> we don't want you doing that. I was the king of morning announcements at my high school. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was the guy. I was the go-to guy. How come? I don't know. Because I'm me. Because <laughs> I was good at it. Uh, the chess club is holding uh, their tryouts this afternoon at 3 o'clock in Mr. Jones' room. <laughs> don't forget, the basketball team is playing this evening, varsity and JV. Yeah, he is good at that. Translating yeah. languages. I need to do this with the cleaning people. who I always want them to do something, but I can't talk to them. Say, Alexa. How do I say, hey, dust the dang fans? You paying their taxes? Huh? Oh, of course. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> please dust the fan. <laughs> How do you say that in Spanish? I don't know. You got you to gotta do uh, charades. You got to uh, whirl around and then you make dusting motions. And What? What? They think you're crazy. They're saying you're loco. <laughs> please dust yeah. the fan. Por favor, limpie el ventilador. That's exactly what I want to have happen. Wow, that's great. Our house is so disgusting. Oh, no, don't go there. It just, it just absolutely is. You don't want to go there. Well, it's, you know, it's... Uh, we, I don't mean to your house. I mean, uh, we've conversationally. Had, we've got a kid that's got a, a lot of problems that we're working on with Stanford and, and University of San Francisco and a team of psychiatrists and doctors and all that sort of stuff. But, um... Just it's just he he can't help it, but he 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 pees everywhere. Oh boy, all the time, and oh just boy. and just it's just it's just ugh. 
It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Yikes. It's, it's, sometimes it saps your will. I could understand that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, oh, my God. Anywho. It's, uh, well, I, I hesitate to say anything. Por favor, limpie el ventilador. Other than that. What do, what was that? What did that say? That's still, please clean the fan. I'm trying to really... This fan drive. is still not clean. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get you to know that phrase before I teach you. Another. El Whirlo oh, El Gusto. No, that's no, it's this. Por it. favor, limpie el ventilador. Yeah. Will do. I mean, I'm on it. it. So anyway, the, uh, spend most of your time cleaning our bathrooms. As well. Ceiling fans do get very, very dirty, Jack. Yes, they do. It's easy yes. to ignore them. They do. Texas teens can't graduate from high school... Until they watch a video. We'll tell you about that video coming up. Is it the whole P and V video? The male sex organ are known as testicles. No, nope, it's not that Spermatozoa. That's right. <laughs> the sperm fertilizes the egg. <laughs> God, I can still remember eighth grade science. Mr. Moxness, I can still remember his name. He gave this long speech one time, and I had nobody had any idea what he was talking about. Where he 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 was setting us up for this conversation. You're going to hear some terms, <laughs> and you're not going to know what they mean, or you, maybe you've heard about them before. But he was so he was so uh, what's the word? Like he was so dancing around the topic, mm. he couldn't figure out what the hell he was talking about. Sounds a little ominous to me too. Yeah, I'd be like, what the hell like, are yeah, we going to exactly. talk about? Exactly. I just thought, oh my god, this is scary or what great or something. And then we got into various spermatozoa egg conversations. It was just boring. It was yes. it was or, or or the same level of boring of any. It was the same as learning about photosynthesis. It was just memorizing a couple of things. It sure. wasn't sexy or scary or anything. Right. Why the big buildup? Spermatozoa. <laughs> Some of you are going to giggle when you hear that. And I thought, I, I'm who's giggling? Is this going to be on the test? <laughs> also, one more story I want to bring to you. I will just tell you this. Loyal listener Jeff, who sent it along, says, This is a headline no one wants to read or certainly experience. Chilling. Okay. I'll stay, Chilling. I'll stay tuned for that. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Pompeo and Trump warning about a rush to judgment in the Khashoggi case. Texas Senate race, Cruz, Beto, debate shots, lying Ted, and more. And who makes up the fastest growing market for Halloween costumes? Slutty women. No, oh, easy. No? It's a big thing for Halloween. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. What's the latest from Marshall Phillips? Well, we're going to take a look at what is going on in the search for the Khashoggi murderers. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says America takes the disappearance of the Saudi writer very seriously. Pompeo talking to reporters after leaving Turkey. He had a quick visit there with President Erdogan. Pompeo said Erdogan made it very clear the Saudis had cooperated with the investigation the Turks are engaged in, and they are going to share information. Now, as for giving everyone more time to investigate, Pompeo says. It's not about benefit of the doubt. It's it's that it is reasonable. It's, it's, it's reasonable to give them a handful of days more to complete it so they get it right. Now, one of the reports coming out said Turkish police who searched the Saudis' consulate in Istanbul found evidence that Khashoggi was killed there. The Associated Press reporting a high-level Turkish official did not elaborate, though, on what evidence was found. 
Now, that report... God, I feel like the Trump administration is into the waiting for this to blow over in another story to grab the headlines mode. Which, yes. Which will happen. Yes, yeah. while waiting for the Saudis to come up with an explanation that will assist in that. I will also tell you, Marshall, and everybody's reporting that stuff. I'm not harassing you at all, but any information coming from the Turks is highly suspect. It might be true. It might be completely fictional. Right. The uh, reports producing reactions from President Trump in varying degrees, he said in a broadcast interview with Fox. If they knew about it, that would be bad. If they didn't know about it, things bad things can happen. Now, in a print interview... A, a person could certainly say that the president was telegraphing to the Saudis mm-hmm. what elements their cover story should probably include. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But in a print interview with the Associated Press, Trump reportedly criticized what he portrayed as a rush to judgment against Saudi Arabia over the disappearance, comparing it to the allegations of sexual assault made against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh during his confirmation hearing. I see your point, but I'm not sure it's helpful. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh is thinking... Listen, I uh, I get what you're driving at, but uh, you just put me in the same basket as uh, the Saudi Arabians. <laughs> Please stop it. So the, this day started as a, as a New York Post story that there's audio of Khashoggi being tortured and dismembered. Now the New York Times is reporting it. They held back, you know, wanting, I'm sure, a little more, we want this to be real before we go with it. I mean, they are saying Turkey Turkish officials say, but I don't think they'd print it if they thought it was garbage. Did you hear the report that uh, he had apparently used his Apple Watch to record and transmit the sounds it, of his own horrific su- yeah. demise? Oh, yes. really? I yes. hadn't heard that. Yeah. Wow. This segment brought to you by Apple. Yeah, no, that, that report's been wow. floating around now for a while. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, Trump went huh. on... Trump went on to say, or telling AP, here we go again with your guilty until proven innocent. I don't like that. We just went through that with Justice Kavanaugh, and he was innocent all the way, as far as I'm concerned. That's what he told the Associated Press. I'm not sure reminding everybody of that was uh, to anybody's advantage. Well, the the strategy is to constantly reset the Kavanaugh thing to get Republicans to the polls. Oh, right, 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 right. On the other hand, again, I'm thinking uh, they're a repressive dictatorship. I'm a respected judge. I get your point, but uh, stop it. Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz moving forward after an exchange of some jabs in last night's televised debate in San Antonio. You see the two men running for the Senate. At one point, O'Rourke even borrowed from President Trump's debate playbook. Senator Cruz is not going to be honest with you. He's going to make up positions and votes that I've never held or have ever taken. He's dishonest. It's why the president called him <laughs> Lying Ted, and it's why the nickname stuck, because it's true. L-Y-I-N apostrophe, Lying Ted. That's an interesting tact from the Democrat Yeah, going with the... The guy that I'm, you know, going to call crazy as soon as I'm a senator, if right. I won, uh, you know, called Ted a liar. <laughs> strange bedfellows. Like they say, strange bedfellows. I appreciate the president's uh, adherence to the rules of punctuation, however. Are you following the Senate race in Arizona where the one woman called the other woman a traitor to her nation? Yeah, but the dude moderator was talking over her, so she couldn't land the shot quite right. <laughs> yeah, we should get the audio of that. It's pretty good. Yeah, and it was right at the end. She, did, I think, she wanted to leave the, uh, the you know, the drop the mic moment, right. mm. the uh, Republican gal. But it kind of got covered up and was weird. But yeah, oh, yeah, we'll get that tape. 
But it, essentially, Kristen Cinema, who's the Democrat in Arizona, had said at some point in 03 that she understands or she's okay with Americans fighting with the Taliban. Something like that. And the Republican gal, whose name, um, Martha McSally, is that her name? I think that's she's it. a fighter pilot. First uh, fight, yeah. uh, female fighter yeah. pilot in combat. Um, uh, uh, she, she has called her a, a traitor to her country for saying that. Which is a heck of a thing to say. Although the moderator was jabbering and you couldn't hear it. You could half hear it. We are coming up on the holiday and it turns out Americans will spend an estimated $480 million on costumes for their pets. Of course. More than double what they spent in 2010. MarketWatch is reporting that pet costumes make up 15% of all the Halloween costume sales. 31 million Americans set to buy costumes for their pets this year. I'm going to spend... Eleven ninety nine. I got a black lab. He's going to go as a yellow lab. I'm going to spray paint him. Awesome. Millennials are the most likely or to dress- dye his fur. Go get some L'Oreal hair coloring and dye him. <laughs> Make him blonde. How funny would that be, Michael? I'm telling you. Yeah, it would be funny. <laughs> Millennials most likely to dress up their pets and often post their photos online. Much get like, out of here. Much like Positive Sean does with his cats every Halloween. <laughs> I got it. Not fair. I'm searching out audio. I can't respond. I just know that I was attacked somehow. (laughs) Yes, Yes, you were in delightfully. Top pet costume this year, pumpkin, according to the National Retail Federation. I think our pug would make a pretty good pumpkin because he's round as a ball. (laughs) Then it was followed by a hot dog and bumblebee. So there you go. Your parade of pet costumes. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Lady Gaga is confirming. They don't know they're in a costume, by the way. They don't find it whimsical. They're just uncomfortable. (laughs) Lady Gaga is confirming her engagement to talent agent Christian Carino at L's rather 25th annual Women in Hollywood celebration. Gaga revealed the news by thanking her fiance during her speech. I see. She is 32. He is 49 years old. Oh, really? Yes. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. So they've been hanging out, I guess, since uh, last February. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> Why had I assumed Lady Gaga was uh, gay? Because she's a gay no icon? I don't know. Madonna's a gay icon. She's not gay. I saw her kiss uh, Britney Spears once. Lady Gaga or Madonna? Madonna. Madonna, gotcha. Uh, Google, is is Google a traitor to our nation? That's a question a lot of people are asking. We'll talk to Brian Fung of the WAPO about their new communist-friendly search engine. Cool. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. For Americans to join the Taliban to fight All against right. us, we, we, you said we, you had no problem. We are running out of time, Here's but we thing. have to let you I respond to that. I want to ask right that. now whether Please. you're going to apologize to the veterans and but, me for saying it's okay Please. to commit treason. Are- That's from the the uh, debate uh, in Arizona. That a Republican woman and a Democrat woman, a couple yes. of dames. Well, um, easy. They're they're Jeez. they're running to take Jeff Flake's seat because he's resi- he's a quitting, you know. Yeah, and, he's a quitter. And the I'm I'm here to kick the debate moderator, dude. 
A woman, a candidate is making an explosive claim please, about another please. candidate. We need time for the final no, statement. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We we're up against a commercial here, and we just and we just spent an hour talking about tax policy and a bunch of boring stuff. And you just called your opponent a traitor to the uh, nation. Yeah, we don't we don't have time for that incredibly explosive uh, moment. Now, final statement. <laughs> Dude, mm-hmm. let them talk. Yeah, no yeah. I'm kidding. That's a heck of a thing to say to someone, though. Yeah, well, we'll see. That that race is uh, is a close one. So uh, for, let me reach over here and click. Uh, we're joined now by the fabulous Brian Fung, Washington Post tech reporter. Brian, how are you, sir? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Now, you in the Eastern media elite may have let down your guard in terms of the Red Menace, but I, Joe Getty, have not. <laughs> Communism still threatens us every day and everywhere. Uh, and, and Google is apparently uh, crafting a search engine that will be inoffensive to the Chinese regime. Is that a good way to characterize it? Yeah, that's essentially uh, what's going on here. Google um, publicly confirmed uh, earlier this week that it's working on an internal project uh, that would um, essentially be a search engine, a custom search engine that would uh, comply with China's um, censorship regime. Um, you know, as you know, China blocks searches uh, for politically sensitive topics like the Tiananmen Square, uh, democracy protests, and things like that. Uh, Google famously pulled out of China with its search engine in 2010, um, but uh, with this new project, there's a lot of rumors flying about that China, uh, I'm sorry, that uh, Google could re-enter China uh, and its search market. Do I understand correctly that that Google has been reticent to answer questions about this for a while? Yeah, the uh, you know U.S. lawmakers have uh, contacted Google asking for information about this project, um, and Google wrote a letter back. But uh, the the lawmakers uh, said that that you know the answers were basically pretty vague and didn't uh, reveal very much about the company's intentions. Um, you know, but uh, in an appearance at the Wired uh, event uh, earlier this week. Google CEO Sundar Pichai uh, revealed a little bit more about um, you know the, his plans and how the the search engine is working. He said uh, you know it turns out that uh, with the current implementation of their project, uh, they would be able to serve well over 99% of any search queries that Chinese users might uh, might send to this Chinese version of Google. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I work for a mobster, but 99% of the time, I'm not shooting people in the head. I mean, it's an interesting thing to say. Just a few minutes ago, we were talking about Facebook, and they rolled out that whole video camera portal thing they're going to put in your house. In this uh, article, the the writer was talking about how everybody reacted the same way to that. They're going to spy on us. That's what they're going to do. So, and I, I was just saying, and you're a tech reporter, not a um, you know, not a marketing expert, but Google, Facebook, these tech companies, everybody's just got an oogie feeling about them now that didn't exist a year ago. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the more we learn about uh, these companies' access to personal information and the way that they not only uh, collect it but how they use it. Um, you know, this has a lot to do with uh, you know our our discovery about the role that they played uh, in shaping American public discourse in the 2016 elections and the Cambridge Analytica scandal, um, and that's you know essentially led to a whole firestorm for the tech industry that they didn't anticipate well and they lie to us a lot so there's There's that that. brian fung of the washington post is online brian you write in your excellent piece about project dragonfly the google china friendly uh search project that there's been quite a backlash among google employees 
That's right. Uh, you know, more than a thousand Google employees signed this uh, this internal letter, um, essentially challenging the company's leadership, uh, saying that they weren't being given the information they need to make uh, clear and informed decisions about what they're working on for the company or whether or not they still want to work for the company, and that uh, you know news of this uh, Project Dragonfly raised serious ethical and moral questions about the company uh, and where it was headed. You know, it's interesting, and this is funny coming out of me, because I, Joe Getty, am seriously an anti-communist activist still because it's an ideology that's led to the deaths and of hundreds of millions of people and the misery of billions more and it and it, people have forgotten that but having said that how does google cede that space to competitors how does google say we're just not going to do what we do in china that's we'll a let, difficult we'll let bing have it yeah oh lord um that is a real quandary for them Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the Google CEO was saying that they um, are considering whether or not to uh, to reengage in China because uh, there are so many potential Internet users in that country. Um, you know, 1.4 billion people in China. Uh, that's a potential you know, massive market opportunity for a company like Google and any other uh, U.S. tech company for that matter. You know, I've said many times, Brian, I'd rather be ignorant than learn something on Bing. Would you agree? <laughs> uh, I, I won't take a position on, uh, you know, which search engine is uh, the most effective. But, Nor should uh, you. Brian, it's uh, always great when we get a chance to talk. Thanks for the help. My pleasure. All right, we'll talk again soon. What's that Bing story you had, Sean? Uh, the, some writer said, I spent three months using nothing but Bing. Here's what I found and what I didn't. I'd kind of like to hear more about that. Wow. Uh, uh, there's another Google story of note where they're trying, they're wrestling, some internal documents have come out, they're wrestling with their role as a censor and the promise of the internet versus the ugly reality and how to deal with it. And for once, I wasn't going to kick them because they're, they're, they're you know really into how many angels dance on the head of a pin territory, oh, what their role yeah. should be and how to do it. It's, it's tough. tough. It's very, very tough. Um, uh, back to kicking Facebook. So this is a different Facebook story. Facebook admitted that it was inflating its video metrics. We've had a whole bunch of different advertisers that started in the last year or so having us do videos for them. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm guarantee a part of that is uh, Facebook's inflated. Well, uh, it's we're very handsome video metrics. They were inflating their metrics between 150 and 900 percent of how many people were seeing this very video, various videos that you would place, and all kinds of businesses across the country pivoted toward video because of these stats thinking oh this is the way to reach our customers this is it but right. facebook was making this crap up and you say the low end was 150 yeah. percent between exaggeration between 150 and 900 percent they were they were inflating it so turning 10 into 25 was like an easy day at facebook so they're being sued by somebody over this and uh, in the uh, in the filing of the lawsuit, Facebook's internal efforts behind the scenes reflect a company mentality of reckless indifference toward the accuracy of its metrics. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think they have reckless indifference with all kinds of stuff. Their metrics, they make up to uh, to benefit them. Their how much they 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 spy on you and sell your information, they completely lie about. How they furnish your information to many many apps and not just Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I had that thing um, getting to the sensor. Where did I do that? I got it somewhere. But anyway, the, all the people that work at uh, Facebook, the, the people that have that job, 
of of looking at stuff all day long and trying to determine whether or not they'll allow it. They're all going nuts. Yes. And uh, trying to figure out how to make that job work because you have to look at the worst stuff that happens on the planet all day for your job, hour after hour. If you saw it once, you'd probably never forget it. It yeah. would haunt your dreams, and they do it all day long. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what to do about that. I, Human beings might not just be able to do that job. I, I think that's the sort of thing a communist regime would do to people to torture them. Sure. It's horrible. And so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or get psychopaths and just pay them handsomely. <laughs> that's what we do around here. <laughs> hey, now. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.